Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. So today is Good Friday. And here's the thing is, I think sometimes for pastors and preachers, there's a lot of pressure during the holidays, whether it be Christmas or Easter, um, to really come up with these just amazing messages that really capture people's attention. And, and, and I think sometimes when we have that pressure, we forget the point and, and we miss the fact that the gospel is enough, that we don't have to make it this big elaborate thing. We don't have to have all this crazy stuff and analogies and quotes and this and that. The gospel is enough because Jesus is enough. And so as I was preparing for today, I really struggled to be honest. I really struggled yesterday. I'm preparing and I had started a message and and I completely deleted it. And I was like, no, this isn't it. And I couldn't figure it out. And then this morning, I even told my husband, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to do a message because I don't I don't know what to do. And as I spent time with God today, the Lord was like, Carrie, just be real and tell them the truth, the gospel. Just read it. It's enough. Jesus is enough. We don't have to add to. We don't have to make it something it's not. It's enough. And so that's what I want to do today. And we're going to see where God leads this thing. So we're going to read starting in Matthew 27, verse 27. So here Jesus has been accused innocently. He was innocent. He was not guilty, but he was accused. And we're going to pick up in verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into Praetorium. Oh, <laughs> that's a funny word. Uh, Praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Man, this is, see, it's enough. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. He just couldn't even carry his own cross because he was so beaten and he was so tortured and he was so weak that he couldn't even carry his own cross. And so they had to find someone to carry it for him. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down and kept watch over there. Above his head, they placed written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him. He was crucified with two sinners. He was crucified. He wasn't, there was like no dignity in this. Are you hearing this? He was crucified with sinners. Our perfect Jesus, our perfect Savior was crucified with sinners. One on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. 
In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. Everybody was mocking him. Everybody was making fun of him. He is God, fully man, fully God. And people are making fun of him. And he's sitting there and he's taking it. Notice he doesn't say anything to defend himself in this moment. He saved others, they said, but he can't can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Man, everyone, his friends have betrayed him. The, the religious people were against him. The Romans were against Everyone was against him. Everyone was hurling insults. Even the sinners, even the people he was being crucified with were like, oh, look at you, God. Why don't you take yourself down? Why don't you save us? From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is interesting because whenever you read Psalms 22, you can see where David cried out these same words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's a lot of different things here that I've learned when studying this. But one thing that I found interesting and something that is um, it's a debatable topic of what what Jesus was saying here. But whenever David cried this out, he was crying out to God, like we need a savior. And Jesus was fulfilling this at this moment. He was about to fulfill the cry that David had cried way back before in Psalms 22. And I just find that very interesting. And then it says, when some of these standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran out and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So here Jesus leaves. But this is what's so cool is this next verse. It says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from top to bottom. What is, what is the curtain of the temple? Well, the, the temple was where God's presence dwelt. And the presence of God was on the other side of that curtain. And the only way to get through it, you had to go through all of these works. You had to go through so much. And, and we can talk about that another time, but it's in the Old Testament. It talks about the temple. You can go back and you can read about everything that they had to do in order to get to God's presence. But what happened when Jesus took his last breath is that curtain tore from top to bottom and it made God's presence available to you and I. That is amazing. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So we see how Jesus, and in other, in other versions, it says that Jesus cries out, it is finished. When he took that last breath, he said, it is finished. And he took his last breath. It is finished. It is finished. We see how Jesus paid the price for us. We see how Jesus did everything that we should have done. That should have been me. That should have been you. That should have been us up on that cross. It should have been. 
He took all of our sins, all of our pains. Every time that we've yelled at our kids, every time that we've gone out and gotten stuck in addiction, every time we've had a bad thought about someone, every time that we've stolen something or been deceiving with someone, every single sin, everything that we've done and everything that we will do. And that's everybody in this earth. He took all of it. All of it, all of it, not just some of it, but all of it. He took all of it and he didn't deserve that. It's not fair. It is not fair that he took our sin upon that cross, but he did it because he loves us. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional about this. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man suffering, suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low self-esteem. That was us, people. That's not just the Israelites. That was us. That was me. That was you. There was a time in my life when I when I held him with such low esteem. See, I didn't realize I needed a savior. I didn't realize that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And so I, I, I just thought, oh, this is stupid. I don't need God. I can do this myself. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. By everything that he went through, we are healed. We have the choice. See, back when I was a sinner, back when I didn't know Jesus, I had to make a decision. Do I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And man, whenever I really got that revelation of who God is and how much he loves me and that I couldn't do it. See, I couldn't get to God's presence. We can't get to God's presence without Jesus. We cannot access it. It's, it's fully accessible, but it's through the blood of Jesus. And so we say yes to Jesus and we have full 100% all the time, even when we're sinning, access to God's presence. But we have to make that decision. Do we need a savior? That's the first question we need to ask ourselves. Do we think we need a savior? And when we can come to the place in our lives, when we realize that we are, we're not enough, that we can't do it, that we have messed up so bad and we can't do it no matter how hard we try. When we come to that place, that's when we surrender and we say, oh my gosh, Lord, we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And that'll come Sunday. And we are now a new creation in Christ. We are now a believer. We are now a Christ follower. But I think that's so important that we reflect today on what Jesus did, because even as believers, even as believers, we still sin. Even as believers, we still need our Savior that we once said we needed. And I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we get so caught up in our everyday life that we forget that on a daily basis, that every second, every breath that we breathe, that we need Jesus in our life. I am so dependent on Jesus. I've realized I can't do anything without him. I can't even make my grocery list without him. I can't even do a workout without him. Like I am so dependent on him because I realized, see, I came from a very dark place 
place. And I, I'm glad that I went through some of the things that I went through because it made me realize how much I couldn't do it. It made me realize how desperate I was. It made me realize that I was the worst of the worst of the worst and that I needed something big. I needed more grace than anybody else in this life. And whenever I gave my life to Jesus, I was full in and I was like, all right, God, what is it going to look like? What are we going to do? How does this work? And it took a while, but God is slowly changing me little by little, but every day I need to depend on him. And see, that's the changing. I think that's where the change comes is every day coming back to this place of being like, man, God, thank you that it is finished. Thank you that I can't even talk to my husband or be around my children or really be around people in general without sinning, God, because that's just humanity, right? Coming to that place to where we realize that we need a savior in every single thing that we do. I think that is the point of this. And today I want to encourage you guys to reflect on what Jesus did, not just to cover the sins of your past, of your pre-Jesus days. Again, I think that sometimes we forget. I'm so grateful for that because I was so jacked up. But then there's today, right? There's today. I said we sin every day. It's okay if you're a new creation in Christ, you're a new creation in Christ. You don't have to live in condemnation. But the truth is, is that we sin every day. We have thoughts, we have actions, we, we do things, right? We, we try not to, but we can't in and of ourselves. And that's where we can go back to the cross and we can say, thank you, Jesus, that it is finished. Thank you that you paid the price. Thank you that I don't sit here condemned. The reason we don't sit here condemned is because our savior, my Jesus, he paid the price for us not to. It's not because we're all that great because we're really not, right? Without Christ, we're nothing. Without Christ, we deserve death. But with Christ, man, we're on fire because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us now to do what God has called us to do and to be who he's called us to be. And nothing can stop us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. But the truth is, is that we need to humble ourselves and come back to that every once in a while. We don't need to sit there thinking we're all great and mighty. And I'm preaching to myself today because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good as a Christian. I haven't done, you know, the major sins today. So I must be doing good, right? No, I need Jesus in everything. I need salvation every minute of every day, every second of every minute of every day. Amen. Amen.